Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. The Trial of Sam Bankman-Fried As more and more news started spreading, I thought it's probably better to be safe and go and process some withdrawals. But by then, it was already too late. And even though I requested the withdrawals, they were never processed. Pretty soon, within a day, it was pretty clear that there may be a major issue here. And this thing is going to hit the fan. Welcome back to the trial of Sam Bankman-Fried. I'm your host, Kelly O'Grady from Over at Fox Business. So listen, the trial is over, but we're actually going to stick with this podcast thing because we've enjoyed putting the episodes together. We hope you're enjoying listening, but we are going to broaden things out a bit. You know, we're, we're going to still bring you the developments in SBF's potential appeal process, any news as we get closer to that possible March trial. However, we want to start to look at some of the key happenings in the crypto space, other potential scandals, uh, trials that are brewing, and of course, what's going on with FTX's customers. And that's where I want to focus today. So the man behind the exchange is facing life in prison, but what happens to his victims? Where did that money go? So here to share some perspective is Evan Luthra. He's an entrepreneur, an angel investor, a tech innovator, and he was also an FTX customer. So welcome, Evan. Thanks for spending time with us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Looking forward to this. Okay, great. So I just, I want to get, just throw out a number for me. Uh, Before we start, we go into how it all happened, why you invested. How much money did you lose to FTX? I lost just over $2 million on FTX when it went bankrupt. Oh my gosh. Okay. $2 million. That is, uh, that I imagine hurt when it happened. Um, And I mean, honestly, I'm I'm sure it's hurt for any customer, whether it was $50 or uh, it was, you know, millions and millions because there was that trust there. But I want you to take me back to your initial decision to start investing in crypto. So kind of let's start at the beginning. Um, We'll get to FTX in a second. But I was reading this article that you were quoted in going back to 2017, and you said digital assets were a good investment, but you needed to be comfortable with that risk. So can you share what was it about the space that convinced you to start investing? I've been an investor in technology for a long time, even before I got into cryptocurrencies. And relatively, the way I see it, technology is going to disrupt every single industry that we know. And digital assets are even more so, uh, even though they bring more volatility, they, they are, there is more upside. And I've yet to find another industry which has given similar kind of returns, such as digital assets industry, the cryptocurrency industry. Uh, there are definitely risks, and you've got to be willing to take risks, but nobody plans for being defrauded, right? That was a whole different thing. <laughs> nobody plans to get defrauded or have their funds stolen. Uh, you don't really account for that sort of risk when you're investing in digital currency. But, uh, I mean, I've been investing in technology for a long time, and I, I'm very bullish on it. Long term, I see Bitcoin coming and surviving and potentially becoming a global world reserve currency, and I think it's on that path and on that track. Uh, it's it's most people uh, regulations and everything can delay technical progress 
But end of the day, better technology will always win out. And Bitcoin right now is the smartest form of money that we know. It's the hardest form of money that we know. So it's only a matter of time, at least I believe, before Bitcoin becomes the leading global currency. And I mean, to be fair, right, there are so many folks out there that suggest having a little bit of your portfolio, even if, if you don't put everything in it, into cryptocurrency. And I'm, I'm not just talking about uh, folks who were first movers in the space, but more institutional investors as well. Uh, to your point, though, you don't plan for getting uh, defrauded. That's not what were what you were hoping for to happen when you started becoming an FTX customer. So let's let's talk about FTX a little bit. So can you take me back to when you were first introduced to FTX as an exchange? What was the, the company's reputation? What void were they filling in the market? Was there an excitement when this exchange sprouted up? Definitely. I got started. I mean, I mean I've been using cryptocurrency for a very long time. And even before FTX, I've been mm-hmm. using different sterilized exchanges. I even had a sterilized exchange that I invested in called BitGrail that also went bankrupt with users' funds. Uh, but that said, FTX, uh, I didn't really pay attention at the first when it just started. Even though I heard about it, I didn't really get around to using it. Uh, but then as they started getting more and more brand sponsorships and more and more celebrities endorsing them, I started hearing more and more about them, and that's when I got around using it. And at first, when I first got around to using it, I really liked the product. Uh, arguably, mm. FTX had the best user experience compared to any other any other exchange that I've used, and it was the most it was it was it was a great technology product. It was the best uh, experience using user exp- uh, for using an exchange, and then by holding FTT, uh, I was able to get benefits such as no with no transaction fees because I use cryptocurrencies uh, very actively. I use it to pay a lot of different people around the world, make a lot of make investments mm-hmm. I make with cryptocurrency. So I'm, I'm having to pay transaction fees. But uh, FTX offered that if I buy and hold and stake FTT on FTX, I wouldn't have to pay those transaction fees. And that's how I got around to using a lot of uh, FTX for the first time. I, I felt it's, it's the best product out there. Even today, I use different uh, cryptocurrency exchanges to acquire cryptocurrency. Obviously, I've learned my lessons the hard way, and now I don't keep any money on them. But I still use them to acquire different cr- cryptocurrency because even today, I mean, we live in a pretty sterilized world. We're not going to move from a sterilized world to a desterilized world overnight. It's a step-by-step process, and it's going to take a little bit longer to get there. And I think that's where we really are. Yeah, and just for, for context for listeners, we've mentioned the FTT token before, but that was something that factored very heavily into the trial, um, that it was it was essentially FTX, Alameda, their own coin, as Evan was just saying, that uh, if you did purchase that, you would get certain discounts um, in versus a, a Bitcoin or or something else. So uh, you mentioned the celebrities, though, and the brand sponsorships, because to your point, there were other exchanges out there. And you did try this and the user experience was strong, which we've heard that from a lot of different folks across the industry, that it was a good product. But how much did the fact that other folks who had you know, impressive reputations that they were endorsing this product. How much of that influenced your decision to give it a try? Uh, significantly, uh, it made a massive difference. You know, me having all these big celebrity names endorsing your product made a very significant difference, and it made me definitely decide that I want to use FTX more, and that I want to have this kind of money on FTX. 
you would think that so many celebrities backing they would have done their due diligence and that they would there would have been more checks and balances along the process before such credible names i mean later on we found out that people like kevin o'leary were just getting paid a lot of money by sbf from user funds to promote it but at the beginning you wouldn't expect that you understand that there were probably payments being made but you would still expect that they were doing their due diligence and not uh, and at least caring about their community and their followers but obviously as we found out that is not true and um there was no due diligence that happened and all these um, influencers were just promoting ftx for a payout i presume yeah and, and of course there, there's a number of of lawsuits and and they're sort of being organized into one big class action against the likes of tom brady and shaquille o'neal and uh, SBF is named, though don't think he has much money left. <laughs> Certainly not going to be making much behind bars. Uh, but yeah, there there was that frustration that if the average user looks to these people for, um, y- you know, credible advice, uh, safety. I mean, those those Super Bowl commercials certainly didn't age well about how safe it was, how easy. Uh, you know, it, it was, well, I guess it, it was easy to use, but just that, that element of safety. So fast forward uh, to November of last year. The rumors start swirling. Social media is abuzz. Uh, the FTX and Alameda Research were having troubles that there were potentially missing customer funds, a huge hole in Alameda's balance sheet. So walk me through what it was like to first hear that. You know, did you did you believe it? Did you start to get that trepidation? Uh, you know, kind of in the in the early November days. So at first, when I heard about that FTX may be having trouble, I didn't really believe it. I I'm, I'm, I know that there's a lot of uh, fud and fake news that circulates in the crypto space, and you you wouldn't really expect FTX at that at that point of time. FTX was still arguably very very well reputed and was probably the one of the biggest top two or top the biggest crypto right. US exchange so they, when, when i heard those rumors i i thought they were just rumors that there was just people spreading fake news and there's nothing like that and that's why initially i did not try to withdraw my funds but as more and more news started spreading i thought it's probably better to be safe and go and process some withdrawals but by then it was already too late and even though i requested the withdrawals they were never processed Pretty soon, within a day, it was pretty clear that there may be a major issue here. And this thing is going to hit the fan. Yeah, I mean, you're not alone in that. We've talked to a number of folks that when that all started to go down, uh, I think it was it was a Coinbase or Coindis, or sorry, Coindesk article that came out. And then the, the tweet started surfacing where... You know, was was Binance going to buy it? Maybe not. There was going to be something. I think there was just a lot of confusion around, okay, is something going on? Or to your point, is this just fake news in the space? Because this is this is such a, a huge institution and it has such a great reputation. Um, you know, I, I was confused at the beginning of, okay, like, where is this going to go? And things then unraveled really, really quickly. Um what at what point was it uh, that you tried to go in and withdraw the money? Was it was it before, you know, what, like November 8th, November 9th? Kind of how quickly did that process happen? And then what was your reaction when you went in? And it take me back to that moment and you saw, OK, this is it's not here. The money's not here. 
so I mean the money was still visible on the on the on the on the platform. It was just I couldn't withdraw it, right? So, mm, okay. but that I mean, yeah, it's, it's still it's still it still is visible on the FTX platform. I just knew I couldn't withdraw it. I'd already started processing withdrawals by the seventh, uh, and but they were still not going through by late late in the day in seventh. I already started processing withdrawals, but they still did not go through. So um, yeah, I mean. At first, uh, obviously, um, I, I, I knew that there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, not your mm-hmm. keys. I, I, I stand by not your keys, not your crypto. So I knew that and I just had to I accept the fact and see how this whole thing plays out. I, I, it, it did uh, piss me off a little bit. I was a little angry at first. But later on, I realized this is completely out of my control and there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, I just right. have to see how this whole situation plays out. Uh, and there's people who have lost a lot more money than me. There's a people. There's a significant amount of people who have lost money. Uh, so I mean, definitely, um, it definitely hurts what happened. Uh, but as an investor, um, you know, I'm I'm pretty immune to these things when it comes to investing in different cryptocurrencies because I I, I do understand that there, everything I do is pretty highly risky. Right. So uh, talk to me a little bit about the bankruptcy process, because initially that was kind of my window reporting wise into this this whole piece when John J. Ray of of Enron fame and, and whatnot took over as the new manager of FTX. They filed for bankruptcy. And then Sam Bankman Fried at that point was was sitting in the Bahamas. We weren't sure whether he was going to be indicted. But there was this this bankruptcy process going on and there were a lot of questions around, OK, where where did the money go? Um, there were billions and billions missing that, to your point, when you went on the platform, you would see the number, but you couldn't actually withdraw it because, as we learned through the trial and, and whatnot, it had been lent out to Alameda to pay their own loans and uh, their own debts. So how, how has that been as a customer in the bankruptcy process? Because we are hearing word that I think by next summer at the latest, they're hoping to give customers back not all of the money, but at least a significant portion. So from from your own perspective, how the, how is that process going? I mean, it's 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 very interesting to see how more and more things are unraveling. And as we are finding out uh, that what's what really happened and how this was all handled. Right. It's pretty clear what SBF was doing was outright fraud. It's pretty clear that they were, there's a lot of commingling of funds. So all of that, as it, it turns out, it's pretty interesting also. And as far as getting my funds back, I have confidence I would recover at least 50% of the money, if not more. Mm-hmm. How long that happens, uh, I mean, I think it can be at least a couple of years. I mean, they're saying they're trying to get us the money sooner than later, but I think how the legal process plays out is just everything is so slow and so bureaucratic. I th- we already had the situation with Mount Gox, you know, where the Bitcoin was stolen and recovered. This happened in right. 2014. And even still today, the, the people are waiting for the payout. Even though the money's there, they know the money's there. They can pay people out. They have not yet, right? The state has not done the transaction yet. So I'm not sure how long this takes. I'm not having high expectations, not to disappoint myself. But sooner or later, I hope to get some of the money back. So I, 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 it would be interesting. I think they're going to pay us out in US, USD, US dollar value compared to the assets that were actually on the platform. I lost a lot of Bitcoin, lost a lot of Ethereum. Over time, this is already just this year since the bankruptcy, Bitcoin has just doubled in price. So it's mm. like the opportunity cost is already gone. So I've already lost uh, lost that opportunity that the money, the 2 million that I lost could have been 4 million by now, right? So 
it's already gone and I'm hoping I'm recover some of it, but the way I see it, it can be a long time. And I, I think this is how they plan to repay people back is that they'll pay us back in the US dollar value, but because the assets that they hold will go up in value itself anyways, long term. It's a really good point that you mentioned about the fact that, you know, the opportunity cost of, I mean, I suppose it could also, you know, have gone the other way, certainly. Um, But the fact that you haven't had that money, you haven't been able to do other things with it, it hasn't appreciated in value with with what we've seen with Bitcoin, at least for the time being, does seem to be on a little bit of a run here. So kind of more broadly, though, I mean, has this has this hurt your trust in crypto exchanges or has it I guess evolved your diligence in terms of where you're going to be put, putting your money. I mean, it, it does sound from listening to you that your perspective is okay. You know, as an investor, you put different portions of your portfolio in riskier assets and less risky assets, and you kind of have to find that that right balance for yourself. But how has this all shaped how you would approach this type of investing in the future? So, I mean, I am definitely still very bullish on the blockchain space. Uh, I, I've been in the space for a pretty long time. I've invested over 500 plus blockchain companies. So I, I'm pretty bullish long term. Uh, I do feel, like I said, what happened with FTX is there's, there's not a reflection of the industry. It's basically just a fraud, fraudster. Mm-hmm. It is could happen, happen in any other industry also. And we've seen this happen in other industries also, right? From things like Toronto. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so it's like... It's, it's pretty clear Well, we work, we're hearing about that also, that they just declared bankruptcy. So what happened, it was a case of fraud. The industry is still very, very strong. I'm very bullish in the space long term. I'm still actively investing every other day in a new blockchain company. And I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's, I think we are in for a really solid long-term adoption. Adopt, every, all the tractions and all the metrics are very positive. We are having more people, more, pe- more adoption worldwide more people using cryptocurrencies, more volumes. We're, uh, we're close to ETF approval. So the way I see it, um, the industry is, is ripe for disruption. I think there is a lot of positive things happening. And I think that's great. And that makes me want to keep investing more and more. And, uh, and I mean, I don't really know any other better opportunities than to invest in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency right now. Yeah, the, the uh, you mentioned the blockchain. I mean, I, I, from talking to a number of forensic accountants throughout this whole process and how the prosecution put together their case, I think going into this, the, the public was sort of looking at it as like, oh, crypto is really confusing and murky, and this is going to be so hard to, you know, to trace some of this money. Um, but the blockchain, at least if if the transactions and the moving of the money happened, uh, you know, on exchanges and on the blockchain, there was actually a digital record for a lot of this. And so that transparency helped in many ways following that money. I mean, obviously, then you, you know, you take it and you put it into a bank account and it's mingled. You don't know where money goes, uh, whether it goes to a Bahamian mansion or it goes to pay employees. Um, but that was kind of an interesting process. And it really did underscore the transparency of and and sort of the the motivation behind creating something like that um, and underscoring the fact that other companies that are operating not in a fraudulent sense, there is that benefit. Would you, though, become a customer of a rebooted FTX exchange? Because we have heard through the bankruptcy process, there are a number of companies that are bidding uh, for this, you know, the, the asset. And to your point earlier, it was a very 
good customer experience. The PR, of course, bit negative. But given your outlook on the industry, I mean, would you would you ever become an FTX customer again? Uh, I highly doubt it. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but but I mean, uh, the way I see it, it's going to be very very hard for me to trust FTX again. I really don't think that I can be an FTX customer again at all. So I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I, honestly, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. I I feel like that would be any person's reaction um, because this is not uh, just an asset that went through bankruptcy. There's all of the, the negative stigma around it. So I am very curious through this bidding process, how much it goes for and how uh, who, whoever does end up owning the asset does try and reboot it. Um, because I have heard many, many people say that te- the underlying technology was strong, but obviously the, the PR issues were, were very, very large. Um, I also want to get your, your reaction to the trial that we, we just kind of went through, um, finished up two weeks ago. He was found guilty on all seven counts. There's another potential trial in March, but just based on this one alone, he faces up to 110 years in prison. Doesn't mean he's going to be sentenced to that much. Do you think uh, justice was served? I mean, what what is justice in this case, uh, being a, an FTX customer? And what was your reaction when you heard that he was found guilty? Um, I mean, uh, it's definitely, definitely great to see that the judicial system is at least hopefully playing out in the right way. We won't really know until the sentencing happens. I think SBF deserves to be in jail for his life. Um, you know, I, I personally have, I don't have any more hatred towards him. I've adjusted with the fact, and I think that's the best way to move on anyways. Uh, but end of the day, I do have faith in the system and I believe that he should, uh, he should get what he did. And I, hopefully the system will play out right. I mean, um, it's, it's hard to say though, how, how this will play out, but it's, it's good to hear that he's guilty. Uh, and I, I, hopefully the judge makes the, uh, the right, right, right sentencing, but it's great to hear that he's guilty and it hopefully stays in jail for a long time. Yeah, I uh, when the verdict came back just over four hours, we kind of all were looking at each other saying, well, that's not a good sign for the defendant. It's never a good sign when it comes back that quickly. Uh, we will wait until March for his sentencing. But Judge Kaplan, I can tell you from from being in the courtroom a number of times, he was not a fan of Sam Bankman-Fried. <laughs> so uh, what, he's, he is known. Yeah, the one thing that does disappoint me is that he's still like he still claimed during the whole process that he's not guilty, right? He's still not accepted the fact that what he's done, and he still believes that he's not guilty. And that's definitely, I mean, I don't know if he's delusional or what's going on here, but that's that's one thing that is definitely not when I'm not being happy about. Yeah, I mean, that was his defense, right? That that he just got over his skis, and it was all these other people, and and he. Just simply didn't he didn't know what was going on, and he. I mean, that's he, an outright lie. We already know that's an outright well, lie. Right, and I mean, you're you're an MIT grad, and you've convinced all of these other people. It is pretty hard to, I think, as a juror and 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 even just someone watching it, accept the fact that every single conversation that was asked about, it seemed like when the prosecution cross-examined him, he couldn't remember, and there were even times where you know, his, his tone of voice turned flippant and mocking, uh, which certainly didn't do him any favors with trying to convince a, a New York Manhattan jury that he was, uh, was upstanding. But yeah, we will see what, what Judge Kaplan does. Um, you know, some folks that we've heard say, okay, well, you could throw the book at him. This is 
This is the first sort of big flashy case that related to crypto, even though it wasn't about crypto, you know, fraud is fraud, whether it's at the grocery store or it's using crypto, but it could still be used to send a message, um, you know, to other folks in the industry. Hopefully we will, we will hear uh, whether we're going to have a March trial and there may be more years added depending on how that goes, but hopefully you will be getting, uh, if not the majority of your money back, at least, as you said, 50% um, when all of this plays out. So fingers crossed for you, Evan. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Well, that does it uh, for today, folks. Thanks for listening and following along during the trial. And and as we we continue on with our episodes, make sure to subscribe and listen. We will be dropping roughly every two weeks now as we get into this new groove post-trial. But we're going to be breaking down what this all means for Sam Bankman-Fried, for the crypto industry in general. And we'll definitely be keeping an eye on what that means for customers as they look to get their money back, uh, hopefully by next summer. That's all for now. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.